0: State. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Pitch.
2: Hot shot. Base hit down the left field line. Roskin will score. Here comes Cervantes. He's being waved home. Acker also being waved home. And the relay throw to the plate is not in time. It's a bases clearing double by Bryce Matthews, and the Cornhuskers lead it four to nothing.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of
2: Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are on a Tuesday night. So glad to be with you. We've got three hours ahead of us tonight that will include an hour with the head volleyball coach, John Cook, will be here along with John Bader to take your calls, questions, comments. That will be during hour number two. Husker Volleyball has two more opponents left in the regular season. Michigan in Ann Arbor Thursday and Friday night. And then next weekend, Penn State visits to the Devaney Center for a pair of matches. And then it's off to the NCAA tournament. So the coach will be with us coming up in hour number two. Our third hour of the show. It's Top Ten Tuesday. Making a return with a week away from the start of spring football practice. We're going to tackle the topic of the top 10 guys we're interested in seeing and who uh interesting guys to follow during spring practice that'll be fun we've done this before we really have fun with this one so looking forward to getting back into that also during hour number three we're going to hear from our friend our pal the old host of this show jeff colhane fcs football is underway they are halfway through their spring season Uh, I think they've got three games left in the regular season, and then they get to the playoffs that will end in mid-May before they turn around and play again in the fall. We'll see how that's going. And also, Jeff Colhane's Bison of North Dakota State, that's who Jeff calls play-by-play for now, got beat in their conference championship finals by the darlings of the NCAA tournament, Oral Roberts. We'll get a thumbnail sketch from Jeff on what ORU's magic has been to get to the Sweet 16 of the NC tournaments. Looking forward to catching up with Jeff in the third hour of the program. But, Ben, let's lead it off with the Pro Day today for some former Huskers trying to impress scouts. I think there were 23 pro teams in attendance today to, to measure, to time, to watch agility drills and all that type of thing for a handful of Huskers. And it sounds like that. Maybe the guy that stole a little bit of the show is DiCaprio Boodle. How surprised were you by that? And what'd you, what'd you make of some of the reports and measurements that you saw from today?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think I'm too surprised. Uh, I mean, I think we all expected you know, DiCaprio to put up a great time on the 40, and that seems to be what made the most noise over there today. You know, going back to how he was found by Nebraska, right, at that satellite camp. Um, down in the state of Florida, where he ran the fastest time of over 400 athletes. And just two days later, Nebraska offered him a scholarship, and, and the rest is history. So I think, you know, based on his training, you know, the last few months, we, we figured that his time would be pretty good, and, and it was. So I, I think he's probably pretty pleased with, uh, with the effort that he put forth and, you know, probably the feedback that he's now going to be receiving from some of these teams.
2: Registered a sub 4-4 in the 40, which is lightning quick. That's going to catch some eyes. Um, Matt Farniak tested pretty well today and some of the things that he did, and apparently Jack Stoll had a decent day as well. Brendan Hymas did not run the 40-time, said he had a tight hamstring, did not want to risk popping that. Heimis's may his place may kind of already be cemented in a lot of ways with his performance at the Senior Bowl back in January and then just four years of being... A starting tackle in the Big Ten Conference, the first couple at right tackle and the last couple at left tackle for Jimas. Uh Those were the headliners today. In fact, we're going to catch up with DiCaprio uh, here later on in the hour. Ben had a chance to catch up with Decap here in the last day to, to get his – Thoughts about getting ready for Pro Day and gearing up for the draft coming up here in about a month. So we're looking forward to that conversation coming up here in just a little bit. Buckle up, put that phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. I mentioned John Cooks coming up in hour number two last night. Ben, we were we were kind of kicking around that, that Kelly Sheffield, the head coach at Wisconsin, yesterday, came out with a pretty strong tweet about, "Hey NCAA." Why did you allow the basketball teams to have full tournaments and you've trimmed the NCAA volleyball field from 64 to 48? It's going to be held in Omaha in April. He's like, what's the reasoning behind that? Basketball is a full go. Why can't volleyball have a full 64 team field? And I said last night that I was going to disguise myself and text a question into coach cook tonight to see what he thought about this well i didn't have to do that because it got brought up today he had a press conference today before they leave for ann arbor tomorrow uh and here was his here was his response when he was asked about uh the field being trimmed to 48 what did he think of this listen to
1: this i totally agree with him i think it's ridiculous we're at 48 it's it's Uh, You know, basketball didn't cut back. Why are we cutting back? You know, football didn't cut back. Why are we cutting back? especially the fact that it's all in one place. I mean, you're really looking at 16 more teams uh, and uh, it's all gonna be in one place anyway, so they can make that adjustment. But you know, the NCAA is under a lot of fire right now, especially with women's sports. Uh, They're gonna pay a big price, I think. This would be one way they could, uh, you know, start showing that women's sports are important, but I think they lump volleyball in with other sports that they're trying to limit the championships. But the fact we've gone all to one place saves money. It's, it's to me, it's a no brainer. So I'm glad he tweeted something about it. And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll listen. They don't listen to me. So it's no point in me saying anything.
2: I don't know that that's true. I do think John Cook has one of the biggest names in the sport. Wisconsin's head coach does as well. You got two of the top five programs in America saying, wait a minute, hold on here. I think he's also in that comment, Ben, referencing some black eyes that the NC got over the weekend on the women's NC basketball tournament when they had a joke of a weight room set up for the teams in San Antonio compared to what they provided the men in indianapolis it's going to be interesting to see what the ncaa if they react
3: to this at all but i think he's right i agree with him yeah i mean i i really don't don't see any issue with the points that coach cook brought up here in fact i think they're all really good points and i think that you know if there was a a correspondent to the ncaa or, or somebody that had to step up and answer those questions i don't know that they would have a good answer for coach cook um you know, the, the the fact that they're all in one location, there's plenty of hotel space, there's plenty of venues, you know, all of the sort. The, the state of Nebraska is more than equipped to handle 64 Division One teams for a tournament. So I, I understand and it, it makes sense that two Big Ten coaches are the ones, you know, kind of out in front of this deal because – of the depth of this league and wanting to get as many teams in there as possible, but uh, you you have to imagine, Greg, a lot of the teams that are looking at their schedules right now on the bubble have to be pounding this drum too. So they're they're. I don't think that these are going to be the only two coaches that end up speaking up on the deal, but um, yeah, coach is right. There's there's been a lot of bad publicity on the NCAA and go figure. But this time on the uh, on the women's side of things that that haven't been good for their image. And, you know, this would, as Coach said, this would be uh, just a small step in the right direction. We're still about three weeks out from that happening. There is time for them to
2: adjust this. They obviously would have to go block off more hotel space, which I think that's doable in Omaha. They might have to go secure one more venue. I don't know if that's totally necessary, but they might have to go get another venue. Right now, I think they're just they're using – CHI Center. I think they're using Sokol over at Creighton University, and then they're using the Convention Center for practice courts and that type of thing over there. But you got options in Omaha. You've got Baxter Arena. You have Ralston Arena that you could quickly convert into a volleyball space over there. So I think there's time to make this adjustment, whether they want to put the effort into it, I don't know. But I totally agree with him. And, and there is a black eye right now in the NCAA with the way they handled the women's tournament down in San Antonio. Tim gave you some scores from that earlier in our ticker today. But it's um, it's either it, it's a, it, there's either 32, 33, or 34 automatic bids. The Ivy League has opted out, so that's one automatic bid that's gone away. That doesn't leave – with a 48-team field, that doesn't leave many at-large teams. And so what you've done is – You've taken away an awful lot of at-large bids with teams that have had decent seasons, whether it was last fall in some of the conferences that played last fall or the ones that are competing right now. And some of the teams that played in the fall, the the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, are having matches now, some tune-up matches, so that they're not just coming in here without playing for several months. So they have kind of resumed in some of those conferences as well. So here here you go. You have two of the bigger-name head coaches in the sport that are, are trying to to carry the, the water a little bit for this thing. So this will be interesting to follow in the coming weeks. But I, I, I'm i totally with him. I'm sure he'll get into that more tonight on the volleyball show. You know, the Big Ten's used to having seven, eight, eight teams make the tournament because the league's so good. It, with that few of at-large spots, you're talking about maybe five. You're talking about two or three Big Ten teams that wouldn't get in that normally would with a 64-team field. So, hey, I – the Big Ten coaches around the league have to be applauding the coaches at Wisconsin and, and Nebraska for doing this. And here, here we go again, again. Here we go again, Ben. It's Nebraska again trying to champion the cause of let us play. I mean, it's just I am so proud of this athletic department and these, this university and our leadership for standing up and, and, and trying to correct some wrongs that, that appear to be out there.
3: Yeah, and, and give us some credit to Wisconsin too. You know they've they they they're stepping up here and and getting involved in this too. But yeah, I mean <laughs> another another situation. I would say another you know potential issue that Nebraska's speaking up on. And you know there there's no there's no just shut up and play type mentality when you're talking about John Cook. I mean this guy's built more of a reputation. You know, should have his opinion heard maybe more than anybody in the sport right now. So uh, if I were the NCAA, I would listen. I would listen to, to not just his concerns uh, or what's going up at Wisconsin, but but everybody's concerns. And if this is something that everybody's on board with, I you just got to find a way to make it happen. Absolutely. All right, so that's what we have on the program tonight. I want you to be a part of it as well
2: at 531 When we come back, Ben's going to sit down with DiCaprio Boodle, the star of today's Nebraska Pro Day as the guys try to make an impression on a professional franchise, hoping to continue their football careers at the next level. We'll hear from Decap. That's coming up next.
3: Off and rolling. You're on a sports nightly Tuesday. Ben McLaughlin back with you. Pro day today for a bunch of former Nebraska Cornuskers getting ready for their next step in their journey, hopefully the NFL for those that participated here today well yesterday a bunch of them made available to us to chat with before the big workouts today and DiCaprio Boodle nice enough to give us a few minutes started out by addressing him as former Nebraska cornerback DiCaprio Boodle I asked him how that sounded
4: (laughs) that's crazy to to really think that because you know it was always Husker DiCaprio Boodle and now it's former Husker so you know, I'm going I'm to rep it till, till you know, the day I'm in
3: the dirt. So. <laughs> um, former Husker comes with some responsibility. I'm sure this, this last few months has been rather uh, stressful on you, a different, different version of the game you've been playing your entire life, just training for Pro Day and, and, and hoping for an opportunity. What, give us a sense of what the last couple of months have been like, man, getting preparation for not just tomorrow but for what's next in your life.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's just been a it's just been a lot of work, a lot of waking up, um, you know, being on a schedule, being on time, working out, you know, twice, sometimes three times a day, um, taking care of my body and just, you know, just, just seeing it through, you know, keeping, keeping my eyes on the prize, keeping my faith in God and just continuing to, to, you know, chip away at it every day. And, you know, the days were, you know, there were less and less days. Each day that I woke up would be closer to pro day, and now, you know, I'm just one sleep away, so I'm here.
3: DiCaprio, you, you left Nebraska in a, in, a, in a sense that you felt like your time was was finished here, that you accomplished all that you wanted to and you're ready to take that next step. What, what all went into that decision, man? I know it couldn't have been an easy one for you to make, but to think about all the work that you had done from the time you, you stepped on campus till, till your last game against Rutgers um, and, and what went into your decision to, to want to move on with your life.
4: Yeah, um, you know, I just, I just ultimately just thought that, you know, I, I had, I, I took the decisions, the, the two decisions, you know, I could have either stayed an extra year, or, you know, I could have gone to the league, and, you know, ultimately I just thought this was what I was originally preparing for, and I mean, you know, I was just awarded an extra year if I, if I needed or if I wanted to take it. And so, you know, of of course, there were there was a lot that that went into that thought process. Just thinking about, you know, um, thinking about the guys, my teammates that, you know, chose to come back and um, just thinking about myself and, you know, what I wanted to do. And, you know, ultimately, when I just sat back and looked at it, I just thought about all that I've done, all that I've accomplished in my time here in Nebraska and just thought, you know, it was was ultimately it was time, you know, that that I've, I've done so much for Nebraska and that, you know, um, I wanted to go go ahead and, and chase my dream of, you know, playing in the NFL. So, um, you know, I just took that leap of faith and, you know, made it happen.
3: It didn't seem like that long ago, DiCaprio, that we were hearing about this this corner, this little corner from Miami, coming over from a satellite camp and. Uh, with a cool name and DiCaprio we're learning all about this 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 young guy and, and here he is on campus at Nebraska to think Where you were when you know We were just hearing about you and, and your name was just popping up to, to where you were when you finished your career What are you most proud of with uh, everything that you've been through your years here at Lincoln?
4: Uh, I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just proud of, of the way that I did it, you know, um, and that's everything encompassed in, 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 in that statement I'm just proud of, you know, that, that I came in and, you know, I was just myself. And, you know, I came in hungry, worked hard every day, never gave anybody any problems, um, you know, was always accountable, always did my job, always stepped up when I needed to, uh, led when I needed to lead, listened when I needed to listen, followed when I needed to follow. And, you know, just, just ultimately, just I'm just proud of, you know, the, the, the competitor that I was while I was here, never backing down from a challenge and always going to get it. And just proud of the teammate that I was while I was here. Um, you know, being able to relate to all of my coaches that that have been uh, through this office, through these offices, and you know, also all of my teammates that have come through the locker room. So, you know, I'm just I'm just proud of the way that I did it overall.
3: DiCaprio, this is always going to be honest with you. This is always kind of a strange day for me, you know, chatting with with you players that are getting ready for the pro day. It becomes a little more normal the the longer that uh, you guys are away from Nebraska. But we've we've talked to you so much over the years on this show about – you know, just the ins and outs of Husker football. And, you know, a lot of times you were the, the voice of reason, the guy that we had on and, you know, just tried to get an honest standpoint of where we were. I know we've chatted at times in the summer, at times after hard losses, after big wins, kind of through it all. When you look at your personality and everything that, you know, you've done here at Nebraska, that, that you, you were able to, to stand up and be that voice of reason, how do you feel like that helps you, at the next level when you're going to be talking to so many different teams and they're going to be asking you why they should be interested in DiCaprio Boodle?
4: Um, I mean, I think it just helps show, shows my professionalism, you know, the professional side of the game, um, just being able to, you know, relate on all levels to just about everybody that, um, you know, I come across. Um, you know, I, I don't know any other way to really put it. I'm just a guy that, that you know, I'm like a I'm – a, I'm personable. I'm very personable. So, You know, I'm I'm able to relate to people, um, you know, and that that goes off the field and on the field as well. So, you know, uh, just being able to understand the conflicts that people are in, helping them out, um, you know, just, just all that, just being able to see, you know, the different side of things and just being able to, you know, contribute. Uh, a healthy embark to a healthy environment and just continue to to be a building block for, for a healthy environment i think that's that's one of the things that you no know, teams will like about me as a person
3: one of the things you've probably been told more times than you can count since making this transition is that the nfl is a business and you'll hear that and hear that and hear that from the business side of it what what, what are you hearing uh what what, what are the, the the scouts are hoping to, to see from you you know what's kind of your been your process of getting to know and getting familiar with the different teams in the NFL, and you know why why you'd be a good fit for them.
4: Um, yeah, I mean I'd, I'd be a good fit for any team because I'm I'm a competitor. You know um, I, I I compete and I work hard and you know I'm I'm accountable. I'm always on time. I'm always where I need to be when I need to be there, and that's on and off the field, in coverage or or in the meeting room. And you know um, I think I think that kind of works to my advantage. Um, but ultimately, you know, teams, teams, teams are just, you know, like me for for who I am as well. I know it's a business, and you know it's, it's a huge numbers game, and you know, uh, you know, every other every other factor that that goes into that too as well. But you know, as far as. Um, for me, you know, I'm I'm the ultimate competitor. So, so whatever situation I end up in, whatever you ask me to do, you know, I can do it at a, at a high level. I wanna, you know, I wanna be the guy that that goes out there and and does the dirty jobs. I wanna be the guy that that goes out there and, you know, runs 100 miles an hour every play on special teams, down the field, and you know, just ends up. Um, you know, cracking heads with somebody, or or I want to be the guy that's you know my number's called in the game that I have to go out there and and you know I have to play a very hard coverage, or or I have to you know or I'm tasked with a with a very challenging task. I want to be that guy. I want to be able to to go out there and show that I can do the hard jobs and that I can do them at a high level as well.
3: Decap, in terms of goals, what do you what are you shooting for tomorrow? I know you've been testing out like crazy and, and working hard for tomorrow. I'm sure you probably already have a good idea of what you can do with um, reps and times and all that. But uh, give us a sense of, of what you're shooting for tomorrow and, and what a, what a performance that you'll be happy with looks like.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, t- tomorrow I just, um, you know, I'm just praying and I'm just praying for a very, um, you know, e- elite performance all around the board. Um, you know, I, I put in the work for it, you know, I prayed on it um, over and over and, you know, um, continue to, to pray and work and pray and work. And just have faith in my abilities, and, you know, I've hit all the benchmarks that I've set for myself um, in training, and, you know, um, tomorrow will just be a culmination of all, of all of that stuff, of all the work that I've put, put in, and, you know, the haze in the barn, you know, just can't overthink it. You know, it's just one more sleep, and, and I'll be there tomorrow. So, you know, um, so tomorrow I'm praying for a very elite day for myself.
3: DiCaprio, is strange. You know, a couple of years ago we were talking about how how good Nebraska was in the secondary and how, how comfortable, I guess, is the better way to put it, that we all felt heading, he- heading into the season with yourself and Lamar and um, that year that we had basically four safeties back there. We felt so good about the secondary. How do you feel about the group now that with you and Lamar trying to make it in the league, the group that you're leaving behind, how do you feel about some of these young pups that we we haven't really gotten a great look at? I know Braxton was on the shelf all year and there's some other young players that that you've been grooming and, and being a leader to, you know, what, what, what type of shape do you think that um, the secondary specifically at corner uh, we're going to inherit next year?
4: Yeah, I mean the, the the cool part about that is like um, you know a couple of years ago, it was kind of like flip. So you know we weren't it, it wouldn't have been you talking to me about um, Braxton or some of the younger corners. It would have been like you know you talking to maybe Chris Jones or mm-hmm. Josh Kalu about some of the younger guys. So you know the the and and the beauty in that is just the fact that you know you see so many guys come through and and do it. And understand how it needs to be done, and understand the sacrifices that you have to make if you want to get there. And I mean, you know, you kind of, you kind of, it's kind of like a blueprint that's laid out, and you know, guys follow it. Put put little twists on it here and there for their own liking, or you know, for what suits them better. But overall, there's there's a blueprint that that um, that kind of doesn't need to be followed, but it's encouraging to follow. So you know, you got guys in that room right now. Watching me, you know, I I've, I've been away from this place for a couple months. Come back and you know, happy to see me. But watching me go through pro day now, and watching me, you know, order my steps and you know, basically just put my talents on display in front of scouts. So, you know, they they kind of see that, and you know, it, it'll it'll be a motivating factor for them. They'll feel like they can do the same things, and you know, ultimately it it, it starts in in the film room. You know, how how much time they're willing to put in to, you know watch the film to better understand their craft, to get on the field, you know, impress the coaches, get on the field and, you know, from getting on the field, then putting on display what they know, what they what they see, their knowledge of the game and, and their athleticism to be able to get the attention of, you know, the if, if they have the goals of being in the league, you know, to get the attention of the people in the league so that they can make the decision to, you know, okay, hey, okay, this is the year that I'm going to go to, you know, the league. This is the year that I'm going to declare whether it be, you know, one year from now, two years from now, um, when their eligibility is up, and just be able to come back and, you know, kind of follow that same blueprint. And then you'll be having this conversation with one of them. So I think it's, I, I think it's really cool, um, you know, when you think about that, just how it's always a constant cycle of guys, just you know who really had that vision and just, you know, kind of cranking it out a uh, year
3: in a year out. Absolutely. DiCaprio, you're, you're about finished. You are finished with your college journey and you're ready to take that next step. But there's a member in your family, your younger brother, who's just getting ready to start his college journey. What advice will you or have you passed down to him about this part of the journey, the college part, the recruitment, which he's going through right now, and then, you know, when he finally is at a college, at a university, um, what, what to do when you're there and, and how to get the most out of it?
4: Yeah, I, I just tell him all the time, you know, um, he's, he's uh, right now he's, he's getting some, some success out of, you know, what he's doing, uh, picking up his first couple of offers. And I just tell him, you know, continue to be yourself, continue to follow God, continue to, to, to have faith in your abilities, continue to be your biggest fan and your biggest critic. And just, you know, just understand that, that what's for you is for you. And, you know, um, no, no, no good thing that's that's for you will God withhold from you. So, um, you know, sometimes, some days, you know, I mean, like anybody's recruiting process, some some days are hot, some days are colder. But I always have, I always remind him that you know he's he's who he is, and you know the the, the teams that love the player that he is, they're gonna come, and the, the teams that don't, they won't. But at the end of the day, he just has to you know continue being himself, pick the best situation for himself, and you know if he ever needs any advice on anything you know he's got a big brother that's been through it all so you know some of the things that he's going through right now you know i tell him and i I, i've been through that i've probably been through it worse but the good thing about him is you know um he's at at his age right now he's better than than i was and you know i have no shame in saying that and um you know he's, he's a much more polished uh defensive back at his age a much more polished athlete at his age um so you know, I I already know he's going to be fine, and you know I just continue to, to give him give him the pointers, give him the keys, and give him the game, and you know just just let it just let it work for him. And you know he's doing a great job.
3: DiCaprio Boodle, former Husker corner, with us here on Sports Nightly. DiCaprio, man, it's been a pleasure. It's been so fun watching you uh, watching you grow, watching you develop, turn into a leader of this team, and of course perform at a high level on the field. Thanks for always giving us the time and being candid with us. You've been a good one to talk to over the years. We wish you nothing but the best, and make sure to stay in touch with us, okay?
4: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports
5: Network. Nicklin serves. The middle has to pass. She gets it right back. Amaya Jones punches it over. Now Nebraska, set in the middle. Kayla Caffey. Kaboom. Woo-hoo. Hanging, hanging, and she pounds it. To the Iowa deck. Wow, that's a strong shoulder.
0: With Husker head volleyball coach
5: John Cook. Left side swing by Iowa. Nice dig by Stevens. Can you believe it? She's digging back there. left side attack and a kill by Lexi Sun. Liv Lauren Stevens can do it all. What a dig. It's nine-to-three Nebraska.
0: The Nebraska Radio Volleyball Show is presented by Sarter Heyman Jewelers, your Husker Jewelry headquarters. Sarter Heyman, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics, at SarterHayman.com. Now, here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor.
5: Greetings, Nebraska. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Tuesday. Back to our regular time. Your Nebraska Volleyball Show for so many years has been Tuesdays at 7 o'clock, but that was when the show was in the fall. This spring, we've bounced around a little bit, but the plan is the rest of the way, Tuesdays, 7 o'clock Central Time. I'm your host, John Baylor. Occasionally, Lauren Cook will be here as well, and The star of the show joining us momentarily. There's a lot of good news as the Huskers now. Nine sweeps this year, including the last two a Wednesday night sweep over Iowa, a Saturday night sweep over Iowa. Your Huskers are 12 and 2, ensconced at the number 5 spot in your latest AVCA top 25 poll. Just two weekends to go. The number 5 Huskers face. Michigan Thursday and Friday, special Thursday-Friday matchups at Ann Arbor against the 4-5 and Michigan Wolverines. Historians will remember Michigan went to the Final Four in 2012, but it's been nine years, but they're always competitive. Their last match was against suddenly very competitive Ohio State, and Michigan dropped that one in three, 25-17-20 and 17. You can join in tonight's Nebraska Volleyball Show 531 500 4686. Who knows, this could be your big break. 531 500 4686. Let's bring in the head coach in his 21st year, John Cook. Coach, greetings. JB, how you doing? I'm okay. I haven't seen you in person for a long long time, but my understanding is you are currently situated in that fairly sumptuous Devaney Center volleyball office that uh, you inhabit uh, every day and how is practice today and how's the office look right now
1: office looks great I just missing our hay market you know yep. talking about all the people down there having you know food drinks those, um,
5: those were good days you're bringing back some very fond memories
1: I know I missed miss that big time Um So anyway, uh, yeah, practice got after (laughs) today, and uh, um, what
5: you know. Remember, remember those days and you'd come in here in your sweats and, and uh, you'd park. Uh, ben would get the parking spot ready for you, and you needed Ben to help you get the parking spot because there's no parking down here in the hay There are All the couples, and they're all hopeful, and they're young, and they're feasting, and they're looking into each other's eyes. You'd come on up, and then we'd chat for a while, and, and then you'd go home. But uh, those, those but things aren't happening right now.
1: And I'm looking forward to the day that they will happen because I miss that, and uh, I'm sure everybody else feels the same way. So
5: we're close. What's the story about you and your staff and perhaps even your players getting vaccinated? Is there a story?
1: Well, we're uh, well, I got one shot of uh, Pfizer already with the educators. So I was there with a lot of the school teachers, educators, those people. that was nice. the, I, I kept hearing from all my teacher friends. Oh, so and so saw you in line. So and so saw you at the, you know, at the it was at the speedway indoor soccer field, football field. Sure. Uh, what a great setup they have there. Very, very organized. But uh, um, my staff or my team, uh, they have not been vaccinated. We've asked about getting it, but you know, there's just not enough to go around, and there's people that need it more, and so that's the priority. So I guess I'm old, and, and I'm an educator, so I got in that list somewhere.
5: Hey. Age has its perks. I mean, there's some grocery stores where it's like senior citizen Wednesday, you get 10% off.
1: Yeah. I, yeah let me know about that. I think I'm about there.
5: Tr- trust me, the, the the culture rewards the young primarily, but the the those of us who are aging are are not void of uh, some benefits. Meanwhile, coach, quite an accomplishment. Uh, I pulled out a calculator on this one. You're averaging 29 wins a year in your 21 years at Nebraska. And we're not even done. I should have said 20 and a half. How proud are wow. you of that? That's that's nice, pretty remarkable. I'd nice
1: like, like a couple of
5: those back and be at 30 a year. But, <laughs> um, what were some of the toughest losses? What, what's off the top of your head? Uh, well, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago to Ohio
1: State <laughs> by 13-15 in the 5th. Now that was a heartbreaker. Yep. 2004 against USC. Oh, we had brutal! And served out and. Oh, take us back to that.
5: We're in a convention center in Louisville. That's back when they put regionals in convention centers. These these are basically where high school like uh, club team championships are, right? And it's 12-12 in the fifth. What happened then?
1: Well, we overpassed and. In- Danny Busboom served out. (laughs) But it was a great serve. It, like, just missed. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the replay, we would have definitely had the green card out. How many more
5: Um, titles would you have won with the green card?
1: (laughs) At least two. (laughs) And I think, uh, you know, 2005, that was, uh, man, we had a great team. Mm -hmm. And I just think – uh, that was, uh, you know, we didn't play. We didn't play very
5: well. I mean, give Washington credit. So those are three that pop in, but they're all they're all tough. Who is that Washington setter there in the championship game? Boy, she's a she's a Husker killer. Courtney, yeah. Courtney Thompson. Courtney Thompson. Yeah, she was she was worth the price of admission. She was running wild that night. But that was a tough one. But you know, here we are. We're trying to celebrate your great wins, and what do we do? We just dwell. That's the human condition. We think about. Our challenge is we think about some of our, our, uh, our toughest moments. We don't think about the, the journey of, really, in your case, glory, as uh, you have one of the great records, really. Um, well, it's, uh, there's no one who's won as many matches in the last 20 and a half years in your sport. And I saw this tweet. You'll like this, Coach. Uh, Twitter is this kind of communication vehicle that a lot of young people like. Anyway, uh, someone tweeted that uh, Nick Saban has a poster of John Cook in his bedroom. <laughs>
1: wow that's uh i chuckled yeah that's that's hilarious there's some cool stuff but people are so creative yeah it's it's uh fun to see some of the things that they come up with um you know uh yeah it was a couple few weeks ago i mean they, they did something on our coaches you know on social media and you know like put our head with some body moving. i mean it was just hilarious what people come up with
5: I was talking to someone very close to you recently, and he told me about how when you're an assistant coach here, so now we're talking 30 years ago, that you really wanted to come up with a system to reward players. And you came up with this system that uh, really incentivized players um, so that if they performed well, you would reward them as opposed to what at that point in really sports was typical. You would penalize someone when they did poorly. And so you wanted to reward them for doing well, and you felt and and data had bears this out that that's a stronger incentive. I'm wondering, have you always used that model ever since? Uh, you know, because a few years after that, you had your own program in Wisconsin, and now 21 years here at Nebraska.
1: Okay, JB. First of all, who who's feeding you this? <laughs>
5: this is good stuff. Initials
1: DB. Oh, okay. You you have don't have it quite correct. Okay, JB.
5: All right. What's the story?
1: Would you like me to set this set the story straight, I'm or? S-
5: We want the story straight. I'm putting another log on the fire. Take your time.
1: Or you, or you want to just you want to mean just you just want to make it up and we go. So uh, what, what that was is when I was an assistant coach here. Of course, the rules were much different back then. Uh, But uh, I was doing my master's thesis, and so uh, I had started my master's thesis in San Diego with a couple of great professors and cutting-edge stuff going on in what would now be called sports psychology. It wasn't called sports psychology back then. It was called Masters of Teaching and Coaching Effectiveness. So I loved it. It was great. Anyway, I had to do my thesis, so I was an assistant here, so uh, D.B., and a couple of uh, other professors, we got together and we came up with a study on our volleyball team, what produced better results, positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement, negative consequences. So what was interesting was, uh, and we studied this throughout drills and performance, and there's easy ways in volleyball, as you know, to measure serving, passing, attacking. So, uh, but what we found, what w- w- one of the interesting things was, what did the players determine that would be negative punishment? And so, at first, we started with running lines, you know, doing burpees, things like that. But they did not view that as negative because they thought, oh, well, I'll get in better shape. <laughs> Again, th- that was a different era back <laughs> then. You know? Things have changed. <laughs> yeah. So we had to come up with some other consequences that they hated. So hosting recruits taking down the nets, putting the nets up, uh, you know, putting the water bottles away. They didn't like that at all. So that was the negative consequences if they lost drills or didn't perform in the highest group. And then the positive rewards were things like uh, restaurant coupons, you know, different things like that, you know, uh, you know, like Starbucks cards, things like that which, again, I want to clarify that because I don't want to get yep. in trouble with compliance. We didn't even have compliance back then. So we could do those things um, and, and kind of give, you know, gift cards and things like that for rewards. And so bottom line, the whole story, we did that for a whole semester, studied our players, and and I it was not the positive reinforcement that got the most results. It was significantly better Negative consequences produce better results. So, so I set the record straight.
5: So, rather than rewarding them with positive consequences, you actually gave them, you know, less negative consequences.
1: Well, it it, it wasn't your typical negative. It was you know, if they lost, uh, they you know, drills, and we had them competing in groups mm-hmm. against each other in, in those skills I mentioned. If they lost, they would have to. Host a recruit, take down, okay. sweep the floor, things like that. If they won, they've got they got the positive things and the negative reinforcement produce better results.
5: Interesting. Do you then do that today? Do you uh, have negative reinforcement and as you coach the Huskers to this day?
1: Yeah, we do both. And what we did is, let's say we have a serving drill and we're competing. You and I are competing. Okay, that day it would be for positive rewards. Tomorrow it's for negative rewards. So, when we found we got better results with when it was negative, hmm. so we do both still. now we have all these rules. We can't be handing out you know uh, uh, dinner for two at you know Jtk <laughs> <laughs> or or the dish or you know blue sushi or hero or something. you know we can't do that anymore. So what we do is um, we try to have uh, uh, different kinds of positive rewards. Uh, they they don't have to do a certain drill. They they get out of it. They don't have to do bear crawls for a week. Things like that. In okay. um, bear crawl we do we do some conditioning every day in practice. So they they get exempt from that. Things like that. And then we also have you know you lost a drill. You got a couple floor moves. You got a couple burpees. You got a bear crawl something like that.
5: Here's Richard in Lincoln. Richard, you're on with the head coach of Nebraska volleyball, John Cook. Hi, Richard. Hi.
6: Coach, uh, I have a rather interesting question. I think it's maybe a little different than the average question you get. I'm originally from Superior, Nebraska, and, of course, we have Kaylin Meyer, who's on the volleyball team. Uh, Yes. Kaylin,
4: as a high school athlete, was outstanding both in volleyball and in basketball. Arguably, she could have contributed to the
6: University of Nebraska in both sports. Do you and Amy Williams talk about a given athlete and come to some sort of a a decision that we're going to allow that athlete to do volleyball instead of basketball or vice versa? And does the athletic director ever get involved in this?
1: Uh, The athletic director never gets involved. Amy and I uh, do recruit players that want to be multi-sport athletes. We actually have talked about Kaylin, and also I've, the track program has talked about Kaylin, and we are totally supportive of of having two sport athletes. Uh, you know, and and basketball works out pretty good. Track works out great. So Kaylin will have those opportunities if she wants those. Uh, and uh, now there's some rules that complicate it on on with the scholarships. So we have to work through those things, but. Um, yes, we're very open to that, and, and those sports allow us to do it. Now, if she wanted to do soccer, of course, that's the same time as we are, so that wouldn't work. But, yes, and we have a recruit in 2023 right now that it, we're re- both recruiting. And, see, basketball has different rules. They can actually talk to them right now. We can't talk to them until June 15th. So she, they're talking to this recruit about playing both sports, uh, of course, we'll be able to talk to her starting June 15th. So, uh, yes, the answer is yes to your question and no to the AD.
5: And historically, you've had Gracely Saparo who played both. Laura Pelikowski uh, played both. But typically, Coach, they, they finish one sport and then they try the, the second choice. We, we had a recently a basketball player that finished in basketball and came to play one year uh, with the volleyball program. Is that much more typical than trying to do both sports all four years or at least two or three years?
1: Yeah, I just think that's the new norm right now because uh it's so hard to do both, but um uh I think I think it could work out. Uh, you know, we had Laura Pilkowski, Leisha Ostrander, yep. um those guys went over and played basketball there last year and you know, they messed around. I remember I'm trying to remember who it was, but we had a player I, I like come in this back when we were in the Coliseum, so this is, you know, a while ago and she'd be shooting like on Sunday afternoon she'd be in there you know shooting baskets with boys or you know just friends hanging out and I'm like what are you doing she goes I just it's for relaxation and I am trying to think if she ended up playing basketball or was talking about it but um but there's there's still these athletes that want to do both now what happens is with a lot of them they go do basketball and the basketball coaches get their hooks in them and then they talk them out of playing both sports but uh, I don't get the feeling that Amy Uh, Because they have to, they play basketball. They have to be on a basketball scholarship. If they play do track, they they can't can't be on a track scholarship. They have to be on a volleyball scholarship. There's a pecking order on how the scholarships work. So, and JB, you'll know this. In the old days, you know, football used to have football guys on track scholarships.
5: Sure, Chuck Malito.
1: Yeah, you know, so to get more guys, so they they eliminated that. There's a pecking order to eliminate some of those sports stacking up on athletes
5: bob Devaney used to have 200 guys 180 guys and, and uh, they came from all sorts of sports sometimes and here we are hour three of our tuesday edition of sports
2: on i hope you enjoyed last hour talking some husker volleyball with head coach john cook they'll be in action thursday night in ann arbor against the michigan wolverines coming up here in our final hour of the night it is Tuesday. Top 10 Tuesday comes back. We'll get into that here in just a couple minutes. And later on in the hour, the former host of this show, the current voice of the Bison, North Dakota State's Jeff Colhane, will be with us. We'll talk about FCS football, which is playing. They've got games going on right now. Uh, and then they'll pick her back up again in the fall. So we'll hear Jeff's take on what's been going on with the Bison and FCS football. But Let's get it going with the Top 10. We
0: think him up we count them down it's top 10 tuesdays on sports nightly all
2: right this is an oldie but i think a goodie. we right before spring practice every year we kind of lay out the the 10 guys we're interested in watching and intrigued by going into spring this is fun right ben this is kind of get you brushed up on some names and some guys maybe you forgot about when you look over the roster
3: yeah, um, kind of I tried to go a little bit of a different direction and, and stay out of the the cliche pool. Now, it's it's impossible to stay out of that pool for good because I think if you're, <laughs> you know, if one of us is interested in a player, chances are there there is another that is interested in a player. But a lot of my guys, or at least I, I tried to attack it with the mentality of half intrigue to see you know, what they look like and how they perform, whether it be coming off an injury or whatever. But I I tried to stay in the in the mindset of make or break time. It's it's time for some of these guys to to kind of put
7: themselves in the limelight or fade away.
3: And and that's kind of where I wanted to go with it.
7: Yeah. Okay, Tim, how about you? Yeah, I've got a handful of players that probably won't surprise anyone. I picked a couple of guys that played quite a bit last year, and I'm just waiting to see are they going to ready to make that next step, and also uh, some newcomers that pretty much everyone's interested in seeing. And then a few guys that showed some flashes last year, but now, now I'm just waiting to see if they'll be able to carry that over. So not really a coherent methodology to all this, just 10 guys. I thought, you know what? I'm kind of interested in seeing some more. So uh, that's what I did. That's what I got. All right, very good. I'm going to lead us off here. My number
2: ten might be higher in your guys' list, but it's Thomas Fedoni, the maybe the most highest rated guy in this incoming class. Great tight end at a council bluffs. I, I just I want to see where he fits in the pecking order because he's going to be competing with Austin Allen and Travis Fokolek Can he nudge one of those guys out? Is he going to be that good? I think some people think he might be I want to see kind of a crack during the spring. Where where does he where does he make the 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 mix in this thing? So Thomas Fedoni for me makes my list at number ten.
3: Okay, very good. All right, my number 10 kind of fits perfectly with uh, what I was saying earlier about um, time to start finding out if these guys can play at this level. And and my number 10 is Jackson Hanna, inside linebacker from Nashville. Pretty highly thought of kid, and, and I know that, that you know everyone was kind of excited when he committed here. Good size, 6'3", 220. Um, I mean, guys, remember he had an offer from Alabama. I mean, he he had offers from LSU and Mississippi State and Oregon. I mean, this kid could have gone anywhere, really, and and we have yet to really seen him kind of take that step as a Husker. And so, can he get into that mix in the inside linebacker spot? The coaches have done a lot to fill that position with transfers, with JUCO transfers. Can Jackson Hanna make a name for himself? So I, I'm pretty intrigued to see if his name pops up at all
7: during the spring. He was uh, one of your Super 6, wasn't he? I believe he was, yeah. Yeah, my number 10, I've got a guy that Husker fans are already pretty well familiar with and I've already seen play quite a bit, but I had to put Garrett Nelson on here just because, you know, who doesn't love watching him play? Got the mullet and feels like he's like a throwback from like 1988. Uh, th- there's really no question about his role in the team. Um, but I, I think I, I, what I'm basically looking out for Nelson is, can he make that next level step? And can he become kind of an all-conference type player? He's still got some room to grow. And I, I just want to see if if he already flies like you know 110% around the field. I, I just want to see, does he have another gear in him? And also, he's just fun to watch. That's why I put him on there. My number 10, Garrett Nelson.
2: All right, very good. I'm staying in that same position group, and I'm going Blaze Gunnerson, really highly thought of. Uh, now, now, use a redshirt year last year, so redshirt freshman out of the state of Iowa, outside linebacker. Love the body type of him, six four to six five. 250, 260. Can he get into the mix of that outside linebacker spot? Can he get in there and fight for some playing time with guys like Garrett Nelson? So, Blaze Gunnarsson has piqued my interest. So, I want to see what he
3: does here in the spring. So, I've got him at nine. All right, my number nine, I'm going to the offense for the first time. This will not be the last time I hit this position group, though. I've got Jamie Nance here at number nine, kind of fitting that same criteria that I was just talking about it's kind of time. It's kind of time for him to step up. There, there's wide receiver reps are to be had by everybody. And so if you if you're having a hard time getting on the field this spring and this fall, it just might not work out. And so Jamie Nance is is you know I know he needed to put on a ton of weight when he got here. Um, you know came in at listed a buck sixty. I think that might have been generous. And and at six foot, so he's definitely undersized. But we, we know about the speed. Can he make that next step and become? a reliable pass catcher in this offense at this level remains to be seen. So I think this is a big spring for him.
7: My number nine, I'm sticking with the linebackers. A, a similar situation to Nelson. I got Feldarius Payne. Really a pleasant surprise for Nebraska last season. And again, I, what I'm just looking to see is, is he going to be able to amp up that production even more? 2020 had 21 tackles, two TFLs, and a sack. Not bad. Uh, I also love the, the videos that his family made traveling around. And hopefully one day they get to see a, a packed 90,000-strong Memorial Stadium, hopefully sooner rather than later. But uh, again, a, a guy that Nebraska fans already got a pretty good look at, so we're not looking at an unknown quantity here. But but I, I just want to see, does he have another gear in him? And ha- just how much bigger is his role going to be uh, this year, if any? So uh, Felder is Payne, my number nine. Good call. I may have that a little later on. My number eight, I've got
2: the Northern Iowa linebacker transfer, Chris Kolaverick who was a terrific player at the FCS level all-conference type player in the Missouri Valley does that translate to here what kind of depth can he be a starter alongside will Honus? will he I'm sure he'll be competing with Luke Reimer for spots in there maybe along with Nick Henrich in there as well what kind of impact can that transfer into the program have this
3: spring so he makes my list of number eight all right uh, on to my number eight I've got uh I'm going I'm sticking with the trend here defense offense back to defense I've got Simone Lineham here at at, at, uh, at number eight, defensive back. Coaches were kind of raving about him a little bit uh, as, a, as a freshman, obviously sitting out with the with the redshirt year. But, you know, he's really kind of the only Florida guy left that was a part of that group, and Coach Fisher was pretty high on him. Plus, I think, you know, the intrigue maybe tampered down a little bit because of you're your getting both of those safeties back with this muke and with Williams, but certainly a fair amount of intrigue with me with Lynham, um, you know, and in and, and his growth. So we'll see if that trend continues. If Coach Fisher still has good things to say about Timon Lynham this spring.
5: All
7: right, my number eight, I've got Logan Smothers. I mean, who can resist a good cube? You know, there's obviously no quarterback controversy heading into this season. Adrian's the guy, there's no question about that. But look, You know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to see what the 6'2 freshman out of Muscle Shoals was going to look like because, you know, he's going to be the future – in all very likelihood of the program one day, so yeah, I just want to see what Logan Smothers got. Uh, no matter if you know, it's it's probably not going to be a, a whole lot of reps. Uh, we'll be able to see out Logan Smothers, but uh, still, I think uh, I think a lot of Husker fans are, are interested to see what he's got in store. So he's my number eight, Logan Smothers. Yeah, he's going to get a long look this because you know, with with uh, McCaffrey leaving
2: the program, he's. Would go into camp a solid two behind Adrian, so he's going to get a lot of reps during practices and I would think a lot of action in the spring game if they play. All right, my number seven, Tim Hadd at nine, and this is where I've got Phil Darius Payne. Kind of, for me at least, came out of nowhere a little bit last fall. Didn't expect a lot out of him, but seemed to make a lot of plays for this team, and I want to see if he can take that next step and maybe even push to be a starter at that outside linebacker spot. I think he's got a lot of tools that they like. Can he continue to develop now? Uh, he's had an, a winter conditioning uh, with Coach Duvall. Maybe that even makes a difference for him. I think that's a dynamic player that could really take a step forward. I'm anxious to see it. So I have so, Phil Darius Payne at my number seven.
3: For those scoring at home, I don't think it's going to be too hard to figure out where uh, what position groups my intrigue lies in when this <laughs> list is all is all complete. But my number my, my number seven. Um, is is a guy coming off an injury, and I'm sticking in the secondary, Braxton Clark. I mean, with DiCaprio Boodle uh, moving on to the next level, Braxton's the next guy up. And I, I we've seen a a handful of Braxton Clark. We've seen him out there in some big moments, uh, but we haven't seen him as an every down starter. Plus, coming off the injury with the shoulder, I'm intrigued to see how he bounces back because he's going to be a big part to this team. Huge frame, six foot three, six foot four, lanky. Um, you know, I think he has has the, the physical tools to be a good corner in this league.
7: Can he stack up? I guess we'll find out. All right, my number seven, I've got Travis Vokalek, the 6'6", tight end. Following his performance at Iowa, I think he's got a, a big chance, the Rutgers transfer does, to be a major key on offense. The only question is he's going to have to shuffle some time, not only with Austin Allen, but the previously mentioned Fedoni, who's got the uh, obviously the big recruiting bona fides if you will uh, he got nine passes for 91 yards last year i think the question is just how much is travis going to be targeted this spring uh hopefully it's a lot hopefully he does have a bigger role to play in 2021 my number seven Great. travis vocal all right, very good. My six was Ben seven. I've got Braxton Clark here, and I was so
2: excited for him last year after the graduation of Lamar Jackson. Liked what I'd seen from him the first couple of seasons, and then the injury came. He's back. He's healthy. He's going to participate. Can he win that job opposite, opposite Cam Taylor Britt on this defense? He's going to be pushed by some guys, but I like his intangibles, so I'll keep an eye on Braxton Clark at six.
3: All right, very good. My uh, next one at number six. Man, what a shocker here. Um, I, I'm going to say stick in the secondary, but this is a, a young man that could move positions. I've got Javon Wright here mm-hmm. at number six. Really interested in him because he's kind of that in-between size for a safety or is, is he going to come down, play nickel? Is he going to come down, play linebacker? I think he has potential. Um, he he put out a tweet the other day talking about his, uh, his, his body fat, decrease his muscle mass increase how big he is now again another guy coming off an an injury I think he's got the motor I think he's got the right type of mentality and the right frame this could be an interesting x-factor type player I think had Cam Taylor Britt chose to move on there would be a lot more attention being paid to Javen Wright but I'm still not sleeping on him
7: so I'm intrigued to see what he does this spring all right, my number six, I've got Tate Wildeman, the 6'5", sophomore defensive lineman. Played in just two games last season, but which was uh, cut short due to an injury. But I think he actually has a pretty good chance to be a, a pretty major force on the defensive line. This year, he's part of a young crop of guys who I think could make a big impact. It's just a matter of, is he going to be able to stay healthy? And will he get a good number of reps? I know uh, Tuioti likes to rotate a lot of guys in there. So uh, yeah, Tate Wildeman, my number six. That kind of follows Ben's pattern right there, Tim, throwing a Tate's name in there because he's
2: kind of one of those guys that's kind of time now. It's kind of go time yeah. for him with a lot of these really good young linemen that have entered the program. We have time here to tell you to buckle up and put that phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. We are reviewing. For all of us, our 10 players to watch in spring practice, which begins a week from today. All right, top five. My number five, Sevion Morrison. Coaches raved about him, but they couldn't keep him healthy last fall. He had an injury, then he got COVID, so just never really could get out there. Here we go. It's wide open running back position, a chance for Sevion to maybe grab some eyes, grab a spot on that depth chart, uh, certainly keep an eye on the young man from Oklahoma at that running back
3: spot. So Sevion Morrison's my number five. My number five, believe it or not, was the first guy I thought of uh, when, when we came time to put this list together and do a little bit more thinking, and he's definitely not worth a top spot. There, there's there's guys that are more intriguing to me, but worthy of a top five pick, and it, it fits two trends. Number one, my last three picks, but also my my mindset of putting this on where it's it's kind of time, and that's Noah gates. kind of waiting to see what this guy can do, and again, had... had the safety room looked a little more empty without the seniors. This is a name that's probably a top three pick in this top ten list. But you know, getting Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuth back, there's a less pressure on on Noah Pullegates to perform. However, this will be um, you know a year his th- at least his third year in the program, so it's it's time to start going for him. I think I think he's close. I think the coaches are still uh, optimistic on what he could bring to this team. But I'm, I'm ready to see what he can do on the field. Again, very highly touted recruit. This was a big get at the time. Ready to see him on the
7: field. Yeah, when I was uh, Lincoln's leading light in journalism, he was in my uh, Super 6. So, got, got to get him going. My number five, I've got Ramir Johnson, a running back. We've seen some glimpses, or rather glimpses, from the New Jersey native. But... I think Husker fans are, are, are finally wanting just a little bit more out of them. We, we haven't seen a whole lot yet of, of what his full potential could be and and whenever you have a running back I know Husker fans are always curious to see who's going to be in that running back room I remember years ago during the Riley era when we get questions all the time on Sports Nightly is where's Zigbo, where's Zigbo and we kind of got in this mode of rolling our eyes like well man the coaches just don't like him, you know what, what do you guys keep asking about him? Well sometimes those guys that are, are flying under the radar and aren't getting enough reps really just need some more you just need the ball in their hands and so hopefully Ramirez a guy like that who if he gets the ball more in his hands is able to make some plays he can really take off so I'm just looking to see is Ramirez going to have a larger role for NU or is he going to kind of fade into the background so that's why he's my number five. Very good. All right, top
2: four. Here we go. Um, one, My fourth has already been mentioned by Tim, and that's Logan Smothers. Now the backup quarterback with Luke McCaffrey leaving the program. Is he going to have the look of a, of a backup quarterback, or does Nebraska at the end of spring look around for uh, in the transfer portal to add some depth to that position? I think a large part will be dependent on how they feel about Logan during the, the next month. Plus for Husker football, so it's a big stretch here for the young man from the south. So Logan Smothers makes my list at four.
3: I'm officially done with the secondary, uh, by the way. <laughs> I, I, didn't run, I had a nice run there, uh, but my number four, Greg, you mentioned right off the rip here. I've got Thomas Fedoni. I'm just intrigued to see what he can do. I don't, I don't yeah. know that this, this you know, m- my intrigue is so much as that I'm expecting him to come on campus and be the starting tight end and catch 50, 50 balls for 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. I, it's not intriguing that way. I'm just interested to see how he performs. You know, what's he look like in pads? What do the coaches say about him? How's he? How does he make the 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 train? This is not an easy position to just go start playing uh, at the tight end spot. You got to block. You got to go up against really fast and strong guys in the secondary and linebackers in coverage. So this it's going to be a jump for him. But I'm just intrigued to see how he holds up. So
7: I've got Fedona here at four. All right, my number four, a guy we saw uh, quite a bit of last year actually, but Xavier Betts, the Bell West wide receiver really liked what we saw from him last season he was actually third on the team in receiving yards despite making technically just one start he played in more games than that but uh was just a true freshman 2020 he had some of those exciting reverse plays uh of course that one against Penn State where he ran ragged I, I just want to see is Xavier Betts the type of guy that, that that can become that number one star receiver for Nebraska and I think he's really going to have to take that leap because at wide out is one of those positions where there's there's quite a bit of opportunity for a uh, for a guy to step up and I think that Xavier Betts stands as good a chance as anyone else on the roster to, to be able to take that spot so my number four Xavier Betts. very good all right I'm gonna stay in the wide receiving room Tim my number three is Samori Touré
2: the young man from Montana that transferred to Nebraska at the semester, hearing good reports about him. He's a big-bodied wide receiver that can make plays, terrific wide receiver at the FCS level. Will it play in the Big Ten? I think we'll get our first glimpse at that as we go through these spring practices. So Torre makes my list at number three.
3: I'm going to copy off Greg's test here for my number three. And, uh, again, people scoring at home, it's not going to be hard to figure out where a lot of my attention's lying here this spring with my next few picks. Toure here at number three. Got to have him. I, mean, I hate to say that for a guy that hasn't had a practice yet, but he's got to come out and perform and perform well and um, be the guy that this staff thinks he could be. So uh, he's a Montana product. He, he he wore the grizzly gear, so you know he's going to be a baller. Um, I've, got, I've got him at
7: number three for me. Yeah, my number three, I'll make it the trifecta. Samori Toure, the FCS Montana standout. Definitely excited to see what he's got in store. Okay, to
2: the final two we go. Marquis Stepp for me, the transfer from USC at running back with Diedrich Mills. Now gone from the program, giving a shot at the NFL. Somebody needs to grab control of that room. I had Sivion Morrison early. I think he's a candidate, and Marquis Step has done it at a big level at USC. How big of an impact can he make
7: on the Huskers? We'll start to find out here soon. I'm in lockstep with you. Marquis Stepp, my number two. Uh, my number two a guy we've mentioned plenty of times before and a guy who is definitely a known quality but cam Jurgens uh, of course the center yeah I, I, you know I hate to admit it but uh, the one of the first things I'm gonna be looking at is does he is it does he finally kind of work into a rhythm? Uh, does he get in sync? Is he going to be able to have that that explosiveness and be able to just get those snaps down? Um, I you get the you got the sense that last year he was a little bit of a short leash, so you wonder if if those problems start cropping up early in the spring, does does Cam get yanked in, in favor of someone else? So uh, that's why I've got Jergens at, at my number two. All right, very good. To the number one spots we go.
2: Omar Manning, for me, this guy is loaded with talent. Nebraska really took their time with him in the fall. We all wanted to see him. He only appeared in one game, but by all accounts, he's better doing great things in the weight room and during some of the workouts. Can it translate to the field? Because if he can become what a lot of people project him to be, Nebraska's offense will have a different look to it in the fall. So a lot of eyes on Omar Manning,
3: including mine, here in the spring. Well, I went three for three, copying your answers here, the last three, Greg, and you're absolutely right. If Omar Manning and Samari Touré are what the coaches think that they are when they evaluated film, this offense could be unbelievable. Um, if we run into another situation like last year with Omar where he's just having a hard time getting on the field, Samari's taking a while to get adjusted, this could be a, a really stressful year for Coach Frost calling place and Coach Lubick. that that's how big of a difference these two players can make and by all accounts omar's doing great feeling great working out with the team when he could have easily called it quits and and fallen off the wagon last year he didn't he stuck with it and i think he kind of fits into that theme that i started out the segment it's kind of it's kind of time you know he had a year to kind of get acclimated as a junior college transfer your timeline shrinks and, and that's certainly the case on Omar. If he has aspirations of playing on Sundays, now's the time to go. And
7: <laughs> boy, do the Huskers really need a guy like that to go. So
3: Omar Manning, easy call for
7: me, number one. Well, my number one, you guys already had him. But of course, who could it be other than Marquis Step, the USC transfer? It's going to have to be huge in 2021. Uh, there's really no question about that. In 2020, he rushed for 165 yards, three touchdowns on 45 attempts. But He's going to have to shoulder probably a little bit bigger load uh, than that for the Huskers this spring. So and of course the fall. So I'm just really curious, of course, to see how he gets going out of the gate. And he'll definitely be huge for Nebraska's fortunes this season. So Marquis, step my numero uno. Great, good stuff. We got a lot of names mentioned out there. I know we had some
2: uh, copies toward the end of the list, but we threw a lot of names at Husker fans. That that should get your juices going a little bit about spring ball, which begins. Next week, uh, the first of 15 practices is next Tuesday. We'll have a full press conference. We're assuming on Monday from the head coach. We'll certainly dive into that as well. Delighted to welcome on board the program, the former host of this little ditty, now the voice of the North uh, Dakota State Bison, Jeff Colhane. How's your bracket? Not
6: great. Not great. Um, I think I'm in in line with everybody else, although I forgot Sharpie about a a bracket I did with my family, and I'm actually in first place in that pool, and I I messed around and got 11 of the 16 teams left, so I don't know Mm. if that's good or bad, but I'll take it right now, so that works. I've only got eight of sixteen. It's
2: embarrassing. We have a little term around here called Chalk Colhane, and that usually means you just pick every all the all the leads because <laughs> that that was kind of your mo when you were you were here. So if if people yeah. had performed a chock Colhane, they would be in bad shape right now.
6: They they'd be in really bad shape. And uh, you know, we I remember you and I were out in uh, Fullerton, California. I want to say, man, this would have had to have been the spring uh 2013, I believe, doing some baseball, and it was right around the NCAA tournament. and um, We did a segment together where we described how we were right with our picks and where we were wrong, and uh, I, I was more wrong than right, I can tell you that. So I know all that feels this, this uh, big dance as well. It's crazy.
2: We had a couple late nights on the air out there, didn't we, in Fullerton? Oh, like we man. I think we were yeah, on the air we, like uh, one, one central time or something.
6: Yeah, I'm pretty sure we didn't. Uh, first pitch out there wasn't until about 9, 30, maybe 10 yeah. o'clock central yes. um, for, for one of the games. It was not central time zone friendly, that's for sure.
2: KFC was still open, though. Jeff Colhane is with us. <laughs> you, uh, the Bison, made the Summit League championship game where Oral Roberts just beat you. I, I, thought, I thought the Bison got fouled on the last second shot attempt. They didn't get the call. How about the how about the Zora Roberts team? Are are you in disbelief of what yeah. they've done?
6: It's 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 a phenomenal run. It's great for our conference as a you know a lower level level mid major right. And financially, it's great for our conference as well yeah. a couple of wins in the NCAA tournament. I mean, coming out of a pandemic, I think all of the ads in our league are are looking around going, "Hey, O R U, keep winning, man. Keep keep bringing some more money home." But um, I- I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, how can you not be right as a 15 seed making their way to the sweet 16? And I think what, what basketball fans are starting to realize that we have known throughout the entire season, uh o- 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 R- U has two guys, max A and Kevin O'Banner that are high major players and uh, ACE for I'd say about the last month of the regular season was the leading scorer in all of Division One College basketball. And and Kevin O'Banner is a special player. I mean, he's six eight, two thirty, two forty 240 uh, around there and can step out and shoot the three. He shoots it at right around fifty percent. And they're the top scoring duo on the same team in all of Division One College basketball, and it's carrying over into the NCAA tournament as well. And and it's, it's a phenomenal run. You beat Ohio State at two. Then you beat the seven, Florida. Um, and, and you do it in a, in a fashion like they've been doing it really late in the year, Greg. If you go back to the semifinal round and championship game of the Summit League tournament, Oral Roberts has won their last four games on the final possession. They've been mm-hmm. able to do it. And you know how it goes. Everybody else knows how it goes. This time of year in March, you have to be really good, but you have to be lucky as well and get some whistles and get some things to go your way. And They're getting a lot of things that that are going their way late in games right now, and they're not going to apologize for it.
2: It's been fun to watch them, and they'll tangle with Arkansas in their next round. Again, visiting with Jeff Colhane, the former host of Sports Nighting, now the voice of the Bison of North Dakota State. And you're actually in the midst of your football season that got postponed in the fall, moved to the spring. Update us. Where are things right now and at the FCS level and in the Missouri Valley in which the Bison reside?
6: Yeah, it's something, right? I mean, actually playing, I mean, it's not like these are scrimmages. I mean, these games count. I mean, they count in the win-loss column, and um, you're, you're seeing uh, right around, I think we're at 91 teams, 91 schools that are still playing of the 130 in the division, and the Ivy League counts towards that number, Then you also have Um, You know, some teams in the SWAC and the MEAC, uh, the the schools in the MEAC opted out uh, to not play. The SWAC is still playing. And then there's some one-offs across the board. And, you know, we just got hit by an announcement on Sunday night where, you know, one of our programs in the Valley, Illinois State, uh, decided that after four games, not because of COVID, but because of injuries and, and not having enough, depth or or players to be able to compete they said they're not going to finish out their game schedule for this season and so it's created some interesting conversation because you know it, it, you, it, you have to get ready as well on the back end for a an on start fall season and there's a possibility the way it looks right now if, if a team makes it all the way to the national championship game in Frisco, Texas, the season would end on May 16th. And you would have played 12 games in the springtime and would have to come back and be ready by Labor Day weekend. So it's got, you know, it's got some people asking questions about, um, you know, if not that it's, if it's worth it, but just questions about how to, how to manage rosters. Um, would there be the possibility of maybe a later start in the fall for some of these schools, um, we're, we're getting to that point where that conversation is starting to get a little louder around the division.
2: One of the problems with that would be is sometimes, you know, the you, the, the FCS teams fill a schedule void and get a nice paycheck from a Big Ten school or a Big 12 school. And uh, that, that funds a lot of your athletic department. And to get those, you have to play in early September, right? I mean, I think that would be the challenge there.
6: Yeah. That's the challenge, and I, and I think, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, we saw a school like Missouri State. I mean, they did everything they could to be able to keep their game with Oklahoma alive and, you know, give the Sooners a tip of the cap for, for keeping an FCS program on the schedule and essentially writing them a check for six hundred grand to come beat them 49 nothing. I mean, it, we all knew what was going to happen in that game, but with the pandemic – Missouri State did everything that they could to make sure that OU wasn't going to, to get rid of them on the, on the slate. So yeah, you're right. Um, that's a big challenge about it. Uh, also, there are certainly examples of schools that, that don't get FBS games. North Dakota State's one of those. Uh, we don't have one on the schedule in the fall. And so this is just you know purely hypothetical. There's been no serious discussion about it yet, but You know, the further you you get into the playoffs, I think the um, more—not nervous, but certainly the the more questions some may have about, hey, if we get all the way to May 16th and you're going to ask us to start late August and or the first week in September, yeah, there's some concerns about health and and player well-being and injuries once you start getting into the meteor conference schedule in October and November next season
2: as there should be now that is absolutely a legitimate concern and if the student the well-being of the student athlete is top of mind as we're told all the time that that has to be part of the discussion how close to the scholarship limit are the bison are you close are you way down because you don't have your incoming freshman there yet where where do you stand
6: yeah that's that's a pretty good question Uh, i don't know the exact answer to it to be real honest with you but um You know, I think overall uh, it it was a recruiting class with this this class of 2021 that was – it was a pretty decent-sized class. It wasn't a a class of 25 or 30. I think we were in the ballpark of right around 15 to 20 scholarships. But it's – yes, it's caused some conversations, I think, you know, some uncomfortable conversations, Greg, with the coaching staff and some of the players – Uh, where you have to talk about uh, scholarships. And and at our level, you have partial scholarships as well, where a Power 5 and and FBS, you don't. It's either a full ride or or you're a walk-on and a non-scholarship guy. So there's a lot of weird roster management that way uh, at the FCS level as well, which makes things very interesting. And, you know, one of the things that hit hit NDSU, and, and not just North Dakota State but other programs, there were a lot of scholarship guys that left because of the pandemic and not playing in the fall. You know, guys like Trey Lance, Dylan Radins, Jabril Cox left last spring for LSU. And we probably had about 10 to 12 guys that either transferred or they graduated in the wintertime, Greg, and, and said, you know what, I've got to, I'm not going to play in the NFL. I'm going to start my life after college. And those were starters and key players uh, for our team at this level. So, Um, You know, Matt has a great line. You know, he said for us, the pandemic stopped college football, but it didn't stop life. And so there were a lot of uh, our players that had to make tough decisions and they made the choice to continue on. So I think with some of that, it it evened a lot of the, the, maybe the issues out you would have normally had with roster management. Yeah,
2: very good. Great to catch up. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the tournament. Good luck the rest of the football season for you. We'll be following those scores on a Saturday. I know it's really – I've had people call me going, I'm seeing football scores on the crawl. What's that about? And I think a lot of people are surprised that you're playing, but it's always good to catch up. Uh, Stay healthy, keep that family of yours in good stead, and we'll be in touch.
6: Sounds good, my friend. Always great talking to you, and and shout-out Will Bolt and Husker Baseball. Keep it going. Keep it rolling.
2: How about that? There he is, Jeff Colhane, the former host of this show, now the voice of the Bison.